to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center, located on East 7th Street in Joplin, where they are passionate about sharing the freedom and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dan with this week's edition of In Him. Good morning. Hope you're having a wonderful morning, enjoying it. <laughs> Hope you're all um, early birds. <laughs> you know, we're, we're currently in a season of wanting to discover what this word more is all about. Uh, pastor said that he felt in his heart that 2024, it's a year of the more. But the real question is, is uh, what, what's that more look like? And we don't want to discover it ourselves. We want to invite all of you into the process of walking with us to discover what this more is all about. There's always more in the kingdom. There's no end to the increase of his government. So there's always more, always more. But the real question is how much we want to step into that. How much do we want to just settle with what we've got? Think of it, uh, you know, a, a child knows better that if... They know who they are. They know that they're their child. They'll walk into the home. They know better. They can open up the refrigerator and everything inside of it, it's theirs. Even if Papa said, hey, that piece of chocolate, it's mine. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) It it won't stay there that long, especially if the child loves chocolate. But the point is, you, you don't see a kid walking to the refrigerator, opening it up, seeing the piece of chocolate and then getting down on their knees and crying out to that, please, I beg you, give me that piece of chocolate. No, as a child, you know that everything that is in that refrigerator, it's yours. It might be that you need help reaching out further in the refrigerator or even higher to be able to reach it. And that's when daddy comes in, picks you up and lets you grab it. Or it might be that he says, wait a minute, I got something else for you. I got a steak. (laughs) But the bottom line is that when we understand that we're a child, we stop begging. And we understand that there's, there's something in asking. There's something in declaring. Asking, seeking, and knocking, and declarations. There's something that allows you to step in. So we want to invite you to come and join us in our church journey of finding out what this more is about. From a place of, Lord, thank you, because every time I open up the refrigerator, I know that there's something there. And thank you, because I know that I'll discover something new. I want to see what that new looks like. And it works better if you already have something in mind of what that new looks like. Because then you're in faith, stepping in, hoping to open it up and realizes, oh yeah, I knew it was there. You can pick it up and just eat it, delighting it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we, in order for us to try to walk into it and and discover it, we've uh, continued opening up our noon prayer sessions. It was a wonderful time within this 21 days of fasting and prayer. We got together here from 12 to 1 o'clock to pray. And it was amazing to see so many faces joining us. There was people online watching us and joining us and praying with us. And the fact of the matter is that we were discovering that there's, there's just such a presence that you could feel. It's such a tangible. Now, it's always been here, but it just increases. Or at least our perception of it just develops or heightens all the more to be able to feel it. 
And we want to just build that continuously in such a way that every time that you step in, you could feel it. Hey, we don't want for you to just feel it when you step in. We want you to feel it when you're in the parking lot, parking, or when you're leaving the house. Be it as it may that you learn that you become a carrier of his presence. But there's, there's a stewardship from our part that needs to be taken into consideration so that we may be able to grow in it. There's the stewardship of focusing our attention on him. So join us in this next few months as we continue the process of just gathering here and, and praying on to the Lord. We're pressing in for that more. So feel free to join us. We, we won't do the fasting, although if you want to come here and fast, that's okay with us. We, we love you with fasting. <laughs> but just join us in that moment of prayer. Amen. Thank you. New to one. Thank you, Pastor. Every day, Monday through Friday. So it's, it's about to get a little bit loud in just a second. And, and I just want to do an exercise here. You know, in, in English, I, I like the English translation of the Bible because there's many phrases that um, don't quite translate the same in Spanish. And uh, English language has done a really good job in trying to translate the Greek and the Hebrew from, from scriptures. But there's several Psalms that talk about shout for joy to the Lord. Now, in, in Spanish, that translates more as shout with joy, which kind of like makes sense, shout with joy. Or it would also make sense to say, hey, shout from joy. Basically, from a position where you're feeling joyful, you shout out. But no, it says shout for joy. Now, I'm translating it into Spanish in my head, too. So to me, that sounds like, oh, I need to put a shout out so that joy can come. There's, there's something about it that we shout out onto the Lord and it's an invitation for joy. You see, th it, there's a problem if we just come and approach scripture just theologically or academically. But we need to understand that scriptures, it's also needs to be viewed from the eyes of the prophetic, meaning from the eyes where it speaks into things, into becoming to existence, from an eye, a perspective of speaking into the future. So when that happens, we start understanding that if it says shout for joy, doesn't matter how you're feeling. When you shout it, it's an invitation for joy. So, I love that Pastor was just introducing the glory of the name of Jesus because we're going to shout out the name of Jesus. And uh, what better way to shout for joy than calling out for his name? So, don't get scared. If, if, if there's somebody online watching us and they just stepped out and they just hear somebody screaming, we're okay. And for everybody inside here of the building, if you've got sensitive ears, just, just do this for a while. Because we're about to shout out the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. What it works for me, I, I, in certain things, I tend to be a little bit uh, shy. So what it works for me is that I'll close my eyes. That way I don't see people seeing me. Takes away off the shyness. If that's you, hey, just close your eyes. Do this to your ears. You don't have to see people seeing you so it won't get scary. Okay? <laughs> okay. So at the count of three, we're going to shout out from the top of our lungs, Jesus. And if you run out of air really fast, then say Jesus twice. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three. Jesus! 
Thank you, Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's an invitation to change the way that you see things, to change your perspective. There's, there's something about worship that just needs to take us in into that perspective. And, and usually a good shout out onto the Lord does that. But there's been many times where I've been driving in my car, probably had a bad day. And I'll just say, okay, Lord, I'm about to shout out because I, I need that joy thingy. And we start shouting out. And, you know, it happens. Then you look at your side and the other person in the stoplight is looking at you. You're like, what's up? <laughs> it doesn't get <laughs> pasa. And it, that's okay because it's, it's you building history with the Lord. It's you building your intimacy. Is you just prophetically speaking into your life. But there's something about that, that worship that needs to take place in our lives. Now, I love different worship expressions for different reasons. Because we're, we're such a type of crowd that it's, it's, we, we're, there's so much variety. We've got introverts, extroverts, and I don't know all the verts that exist. I do know. I do know. That, that some people are okay with dancing, some people are, are okay with worshiping the Lord sitting. I'll never forget some time ago at a church, uh, there was an incredible worship service. It, it was such an amazing worship service that it was almost impossible to be staying down in your seat. You, you had to just stand up and move just because it, the Holy Spirit just ushered you to do so. And we were all worship at the front. It, it was a wonderful time. But there was this one person that had stayed in the middle. Just just right like there in the middle of the church. And it was pretty obvious that they were there because almost everybody was at the front. So it was only that person standing there. And they were all firm. In fact, it, it looked, they, were, they were very firm. And I remember just thinking, what is going on there? <laughs> And I, I just thought that, and I, I just thought to myself, okay, I'll just keep on worshiping. He's, he needs his own encounter. So just kept on worshiping the Lord. At, at the end of the service, some of the leaders gather around the pastor. Pastor stayed longer just praying for the people. We gather up, and I remember one of the leaders from the church asked this question. In fact, it wasn't a question that they asked. They just addressed this comment, and they said, wasn't it amazing that Holy Spirit moved in such a way that we all wanted to worship? But I don't like when people does not connect with the, Lord, with the Lord like that one guy in the middle. And he just threw it out like that. A lesson for leadership, by the way. We don't speak like that. <laughs> Anyhow, I remember this pastor's response. He says, oh no, brother, he says. I talked to that person at the end of the service because they came and asked for prayer. And as they came in, they said that during the worship set, they had the best encounter with the Lord they've ever had. And it was so amazing that they just made their body stiff. They couldn't move. Because it was just them just in awe of the glory of the Lord. And the pastor said to this guy, you know, for him, that was worship. And it, it was that expression. So worship looks like what's not what necessarily comfortable, comfortable for us, but what is comfortable for him. So it's that expression, what will take you out of your normal so that you can give that offering to him. A sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless it costs you something. 
and worship, it's sacrificial. We've, we've heard it many times before. This is an old quote, but you know that when we get to heaven, that's all that we get to do. This is the only place and the only time in your life where worship is a choice. That means that you need to choose the better. Choose to worship. It says that the angels of the Lord are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And you could have this picture of angels around God, the presence of the Lord, and they're going in circles. And every time there's a circle, they're glorifying the Lord because they've seen a part of His nature. And by the time they're doing the second turn, they're glorifying His name because they're seeing a second part of His nature. And He's so vast, He's eternal, He's so magnificent that they just can't stop spinning around Him giving glory because there's so much still yet to be seen and that's the more that's the more we're looking for the more that tells us oh man i i didn't know that the more that just says oh this is this is what i've been missing and i don't know about you but i i've been a christian for 15 years now and man it just still breaks me the fact that i'm i'm i feel sometimes i'm still so so behind (laughs) I'm like, oh, Lord, I I still have a long way to go. Amen. And I, let let me do a small confession here. One of the things I love about our church is that there's a lot of people here that you can tell that they really love the Lord. And what I love about you is that there are some here that you're above 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old. You're worshiping God. My confession is that one of my prayers on to the Lord is that I hope to be 70, 80 years old and still being able to come to the front and break before the presence of God. Still being able to just just break because he's that good and realize, oh, I've learned something new. Not thinking that because of my age, because of... My run in life, I've, I've known it all. I still want to be able to have a humble heart that just hears out every person and says, oh, that's, that's a good truth. That's, that's such a good word. And still being able to be in all of that. And that's my prayer for us and for you too. <laughs> Amen. That's the more. But there's, there's something that gives us access with the more. And it's, it's just the blood of Jesus. Listen, we have to understand that the blood of Jesus is not for just new converts, but for every believer at all times. It's not just for people that need salvation. It's for all of us. Amen? We need to understand what the blood of Jesus really has the power to do in our lives. Because it's, it's just powerful. Let me, let me just walk you through it a little bit through scriptures. Let's, let's go to Exodus chapter 11. We'll jump on a couple of verses today, but let's go to Exodus chapter 11. We'll read just eight verses today. So you all know the story here. Uh, pretty much the Hebrews have been living in slavery and, and they're just depressed. They're oppressed by, by, by Pharaoh and by Egypt. At this point in time, again, 
all all the Hebrews had moved to Egypt. Joseph did an amazing job being able to take his people there. They were blessed. But soon enough, a Pharaoh lifted up that they forgot the name of Joseph and, and all of his family. So they became slaves. It's really interesting because in the first two chapters of Exodus, it actually says that they realized that the Hebrews had outgrew them in number and they could turn to them and join their enemies and turn against them and overcome them. Which tells you that the enemy always is afraid of you stepping out because he knows that you can overcome. Which tells you that you're always an overcomer. We walk from a position of victory, not into victory. <laughs> we just discover how, that, discover how that victory looks like. So they're in slavery and they're being oppressed. How does the enemy uh, oppresses them? What's the strategy that Egypt develops? They say, hey, let's just put harsh labor on them. Let's give them a lot of work. <laughs> how many of you are identifying with the fact that some of the times work is the one thing that distracts us? To surrender our lives. That's been a strategy as long as this book's been around. Even longer. It's just the fact that let's, let's just create stress upon their lives. So that they can blame it on stress. That they can blame it on work. And the enemy tries to just put them in bondage through that. When the Lord intended us for Intended for us to work from the very beginning. Work is not a curse. <laughs> yeah, like Pastor says, let me say that again. <laughs> work is not a curse. You all remember Genesis in the garden. Yes, before Adam and Eve fell, they were working. They had a job. Which is funny because in, in a relationships class, well, a conference of kind of like for today and throughout the school at ESSM, uh, we, we gave a class about encouraging on, on knowing how to choose a spouse. And we tell them, hey, you know, Adam was working when Eve was introduced to him. So ladies, if you want to know a man, make sure that he's working. <laughs> I'm just saying... <laughs> <laughs> bottom line they're in slavery they're in bondage and we have to understand that egypt and pharaoh they're a representation today of the structure of sin the structure that keeps us in bondage whenever we haven't been set free by jesus we're pretty much slave to sin sin is represented to the system that egypt had built so egypt represents the system that keeps us in bondage the system that got us trapped. The system that keeps us away from worshiping the Lord. Because at all this time, God is about to lift up Moses so that the people can go and be set free so that they can come and worship him. That's the whole point. Which is really interesting to me because when God calls out Moses, he calls him out and he says, go and free my people. He gives them this all sets of instructions. Plus, apart from that, Moses is saying no. And God still gives confirmation and says, well, let me show you how I can make your hand a leper and take leprosy away. Let me show you what you, I can do with the staff. And Moses is still a little bit reluctant. Finally, when you kind of like get the glimpse that he says, yes, I, I love this statement because I think it's in chapter 3. 
God says to Moses, you know, Moses, go there and this will be a sign to you that I've sent you when you're back here with the people of Israel worshiping me. Now, if you read through the account, you're thinking, wait a minute, when, when I'm back, what about that's the sign that you've sent me? Uh, what about all the plays? What was that? <laughs> What, 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 what about the testimony that you were going to be with me when I spoke to Pharaoh? And what about all the other events that happened before getting back to Mount Sinai to worship the Lord? What about those? And the Lord's like, uh-uh-uh-uh. This is how you will know that I've sent you when you're here worshiping me. Why? Because there's something in the midst of worship that releases you into understanding what your purpose and calling is. That's when you know, oh... Oh, this is, this, is, this is what you meant all things for. Without worship, it's, it's doom. Yes. So Pharaoh does not want to let the people go, but the Lord has a plan. Oh, and boy, what a plan. The Passover. The plan of the Passover. And let's, let's just review us really quickly here. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses, one more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go uh, from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man asks from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore... Um, the man Moses himself was greatly esteeming the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and such as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark. Whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Again, think about prophetically. All this your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me saying, Go out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. So what's, what's happening here? The Lord has already done plagues. The, the, the heart of Pharaoh has become hardened so much so that he keeps saying, I'm not going to let them go. They're mine. And God's so jealously saying, no, I'll show you that they're mine. So at the end of it, he's developed, there's got this play that's going to happen that it'll be like the top of it all. This is how Pharaoh is finally going to let the people go. So he says, but midnight, I'll pass through every door of every house in Egypt and every firstborn shall die. But the people of Israel, none of them will die. And how so? Exodus 12 tells us how. And it's the Lord giving instructions to Moses. He says, well, this is something that you're going to actually institute for the rest of your life, says the Lord. And he says, just at the 14th day of the first month of the year, you're always going to have a lamp or a go-to. Yeah. 
And he says, you're going to just kill the lamb. You're going to grab the blood and put it on the post of the doors, the door frames. And when I go through, the blood shall be assigned to you that I will pass through. Now think about this representation for a second. So there's a lamb that is going to be slain. There's blood that it's going to be taking and putting on the doorpost of the houses. And then when the angel of the Lord, when the presence of the Lord goes through, bad thing won't come inside of the house because it'll see the mark of the blood. And that way, everybody knows that there's been a distinction between the people that they've become godly, marked, versus the people that aren't. Now, it's called the Passover, literally, because God passed over. (laughs) He passed over the door. That he saw that the blood was there. Is this making any sense? Now, interesting enough, just just how scripture works. uh, Blood, it's put on the wooden frame of the doors. Blood, it's shed on the wooden cross. It is said that also the, uh, I, I don't know the word of in English, please remind me. But um, the, the thing that you used in scriptures, I will have to double check that. Were that they used to grab the blood with and hyssop, thank you. And put it on the, on the frame of the doors. It's the same material that was used when they gave Jesus something to drink. So you could see a representation of it also in the New Testament. So the Passover, it's basically the Old Testament feast that celebrates and remembers God's liberation of Israel from Egypt. It foreshadows Christ's sacrifice on the cross. The Passover is meaningful for us believers today because it is packed with symbolism that points to Jesus Christ. This is our messianic symbolism. And the Passover is just the powerful message of salvation in Christ. Listen, this is so important that God establishes as an ordinance to be followed for the rest of their lives. Till we see it fulfilled in Jesus. What does it mean established as an ordinance? That from that moment on where they were liberated from the bondage of Egypt, they were to do that every year as a reminder of what the Lord had done. The funny thing is that it actually causes, this is an ordinance unto you, the Lord says, a celebration. Can you see that the Lord saying, I'm giving you an ordinance, I'm giving you something to follow, but it's cost for celebration. Meaning when you're doing something unto the Lord, it's not just a sacrifice, it's not just you following an order, it's an act of praise, it's an act of celebration. So when you're doing, when the people of Israel were going to do this in remembrance of Him, in remembrance of the Passover, it was to be an act of celebration. So it wasn't just a mourn face, a sad face, trying to remember, although they ate bitter herbs in that time and unleavened bread. How many of you had had unleavened bread? Oh, good. How many of you like it? Just a few, yeah. <laughs> the ones that you don't like when you eat it, do you put a sad face? <laughs> just go like... 
Thank you for listening to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center. Listen to this broadcast again at KNEO.org. You can also download a podcast version of today's message by searching KNEO on iTunes. Joplin Family Worship Center is located on East 7th Street in Joplin and has ministries for all ages. They invite you to join them this week for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Find out more at jfwc.org or facebook.com slash Joplin Family Worship Center. Follow Pastor Dan on Twitter at Daniel H. Wormuth. Thank you for listening. And remember, in Him, you are free. The world is in chaos, and you're here for a purpose. What does the Bible have to say about it all? I'm Mark Taylor, host of Crosspoint podcast and radio show, and I'd like to invite you to join me each week as I navigate the complexities of faith, culture, and personal growth. Each week, I interview a different guest who is making an impact on the culture of For God's Kingdom. Whether you're seeking spiritual guidance, true information, or a fresh perspective, this podcast equips you to discern truth in today's chaotic world. When Christianity intersects with everyday life, that's where you'll find Crosspoint, sometimes discussing the issues that some churches don't want to talk about. Look up Crosspoint with Mark Taylor wherever you get your podcast produced by KNO Radio and the Sky High Podcast Network.